0: Are listening to the dog pod with your host
1: Han Vance in Atlanta, Georgia. And my co-host and producer from GPK Studios in New York City, Sam Casaccio. What's up, Han? How you doing, man? Wonderful. So elated that we're back into football finally. Just turned fall down here in the deep south. Real football we're getting some real football back because it's been back but nothing nothing to
0: really speak about here in the first couple of weeks
1: that, that's true there have been a few games on and I've definitely been tuning in but obviously in the deep south where SEC fanatics going to be doing a Georgia show so we are excited to talk about them Bulldogs
0: yeah man and I'll tell you that first college game day was a travesty Kirk Cur- Herbstreet's crying I mean I, I can tell you uh, Han and I met down in New York City about a year ago this podcast is about a year in the making and I did not think a year later, we'd be making a show after the first game day where we basically have a weeping curb street. I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'll tell you that.
1: That was pretty cool. Um, how Sam and I met, I was headlining the Bowery poetry club in lower Manhattan. And I ended up, um, catching the Florida Miami game, going to a sports bar Kelly's, I believe the name, the Irish bar. Yeah. The Irish bar downtown. And got to meet Sam, and lo and behold, here we are, talking football. One year
0: later, one pandemic in.
1: One more global pandemic under our belts.
0: Yeah, one, just one more global <laughs> pandemic, one more trip around exactly. the sun. But we got good games coming this week. We got good games coming this week because the SEC is
1: back. We do, and it, it looked doubtful. Um, big games I see this week are everyone wants to see LSU with only five starters returning, playing Mississippi State, who's got the Pirate now. They're going to be throwing it all around the yard. And Tennessee, uh, on a six-game winning streak, they're ranked playing those Auburn Tigers. Auburn lost a lot off the D-line, lost a lot off the O-line, but brings their quarterback back and is always talented. Those are the interesting games of note in the league.
0: Those are some ranked games. we got some actual ranked games on the schedule.
1: Uh, Tennessee, like I said, had a six-game winning streak, but they didn't really beat anybody. Their schedule is usually front-loaded. Um, Auburn is always either overrated or a national title contender. So there's a lot to look at Um, Georgia. Maybe not quite as interesting to some um, outside of the Georgia footprint or the UGA footprint. Uh, We're playing Arkansas. They're on a 19 game SEC losing streak. (laughs) It's going to be
0: be riveting.
1: Yes. For the first quarter. Now, a (laughs) lot of the Georgia faithful, we're excited to see that the new offense. We have so much matriculation, and other type of movement um, on the offense. We're bringing back the top defense in the country. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Sam Pittman was the uh, associate head coach and offensive line guru at Georgia the whole time. Uh, Kirby's been there. He's really been the uh, the key to the offensive success as far as bringing in these big linemen, coaching them up, putting them in the pros. He's also been like the emotional background Backbone of the program, he's a real cool guy, uh, kind of the best type guy you could have in college football. But Sam's off to back to Hogland, getting his first head coaching gig. Was never even a coordinator. He's going to be coaching them hogs up, and uh, I'm interested to see uh, what he does in a few years. But like I said, 19-game SEC losing streak, Georgia's number three in the country you know, for now, but it's not looking too good yeah, for the Hogs.
0: I mean, it's definitely the 19 game losing streak is definitely not good, but it's gotta be a plus for them. And I, you know, you gotta feel a little bit of a loss for the Bulldogs on that. Like you're, the run game has been great, but you just hope, you know, uh, you hope you can just reload in terms of uh, in terms of your run game. I mean, the Razorbacks over there have, have definitely that the run game hasn't been their problem. We'll say that, I guess.
1: Yeah. Historically, they're a strong running program. They definitely have the horses, they have Boyd back. I believe he would start for Georgia this year just because he is a 1,000-yard rusher. He's done well. Um, Pittman is definitely a power football guru. He's all about power football, and that's what they're going to instill. It's just going to take a while. Um, so they're, you know, Felipe Franks, by the way, who was the Florida quarterback, I believe the night I met you, is now the starter at Arkansas. So things change, and things change quick. Yeah, he's not bad. He's not bad, and um, he was allowed to go right away. Uh, He's a real cocky guy. He's a dual-threat quarterback. Um, He kind of lost his position due to injury when Kyle Trask came in and did so well for those mighty Gators. Uh, Felipe hit the road, so you've got a a solid quarterback in Felipe Franks. You've got Boyd, who, like I said, is a very productive runner. Uh, Their defense is where – they're going to be in in trouble. And that bodes well for a young Georgia offense.
0: Yeah, but because I was going to say, that could shape up to be interesting because while Georgia is going to reload in terms of their defense with 8 of 11 coming back, uh, one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the country last year, you have a lot of question marks on the offensive side of the ball with your quarterback, Uh, DeAndre Swift leaving. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, the offensive. (laughs) Not only is the coach gone, but the offensive lineman for last year gone.
1: Right. Uh, first of all, we put two offensive linemen in the first round. Um, offensive tackles, they're gone. We lose four of five starters off the offensive line. Um, so, like you said, the line's changing. But the guy who we know is going to be performing well uh, and we really expect to do well and who's been really showing out in practice is true sophomore George Pickens, the Auburn flip who came on late last year and played well, kind of in relief of Lawrence Cager. Cager was that high point specialist who really won the Florida game, won the Notre Dame game, and we had a pretty tough schedule last year. Uh, Georgia struggled on offense overall, and finally late in the year, George Pickens really emerged as this dynamic playmaker that he can be kind of an A.J. Green type, little thicker guy, not quite as tall, not quite as great of a leaper, but he can jump. He has good hands. He's finally running better routes. He's actually been lighting up Eric Stokes, our best cornerback in practice. So we look for big things out of Pickens. He had 175 yards in the Sugar Bowl against a stingy Baylor defense. So that was a good sign. Other than Pickens, we don't know who's going to do this. I, I have some ideas. Yeah, he's the known, um, but the the unknowns are many. Yes, they are. Should we go ahead and jump into that? I think we might should. Yeah, I mean
0: the biggest one is the the, key, the who is going to play quarterback for this team on Saturday.
1: That's usually a question of interest for any team that loses a three year starter. Uh, and doesn't have that heir apparent just sitting there waiting. Obviously, I don't want to spend much time on it, but Jamie Newman came in, came out. He was that Wake Forest grad transfer. So much hype was placed on this kid. I thought it was undue. Um, I looked at his stats. I watched his game film. He really wasn't performing all that well. He just had the physical tools. Right. Uh, most similar guy, physical tools-wise, remaining in Athens is Dwan Mathis. Dwan Mathis is six six. He was a Michigan kid, verbaled to Ohio State and flipped to Georgia. Actually, when Georgia got Justin Fields, excuse me, when Georgia lost Justin Fields to Ohio State, then Dwan went ahead and signed with Georgia because he saw an opportunity in the future. From went pro early, probably should have stayed, actually definitely should have stayed. He goes out as Georgia's all-time completion percentage leader, three 11-1 regular seasons, uh, played in the national championship, won the SEC, Pretty pretty good product, productive player. Definitely a calming presence that uh, won't be felt from any of these guys because they don't have the experience. Yeah, one is six six. I normally would
0: say that Go. like a guy getting the opportunity to get taken in the draft should probably take it. But in the case of Fromm, like I think he I think his draft stock went down from the year prior, and definitely it was. You know, I mean, now he's gonna play backup to Jared Allen in the Bills. I mean, you you gotta think. What would one mirror have done, you know, with somebody like Pickens to his draft stock? And, you know, you don't want him to go the way Aaron Murray.
1: There's no XFL XFL
0: anymore. So, like,
1: there's not that's not even an avenue. I thought it was kind of an indictment on what Kirby had done um, offensive wise, which was kind of let him down in promoting James Coley to offensive coordinator and play caller. He could have had Sam Pittman call him the plays. I think Fromm could have called his own plays and actually been in better place than Georgia was getting in last year when we were extremely predictable. We were definitely relying a lot on Deandre Swift. Um, I look for maybe JT Daniels to be the, the guy he wasn't uh, for those who don't know, he's the USC transfer. He got a hardship eligibility waiver, which means there was something untoward that happened in the program out there. And this is the real USC in Southern California, not the chickens um, <laughs> Daniels had a injury, a bad ACL injury, his first game of his sophomore year after, uh, starting as a freshman and taking some lumps. But anytime you're starting as a true freshman at a school like USC, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. The biggest problem uh, for him
0: is just not cleared to play yet as, as of last. Right. And we,
1: we don't know if he's going to get that 11th hour clearance. Um, but Kirby's not saying that he's cleared to play. So I expect Dwan Mathis to get the start, uh, in Hogland. And Fayetteville. My father-in-law's a big Razorback supporter, by the way. He's a retired army colonel from Arkansas. But um, and then my wife uh is a nut um as far as her mother's lineage. They're cousins of Houston nut. So uh, my wife went to Georgia, but I'm in this Arkansas family. I hear more about their marginal recruits than than other people do. They do have some talented guys, their defense. Uh, is coached by Barry Odom, the defensive coordinator for, excuse me, the head coach of Missouri previously. And they were the worst defense in the SEC. And then for various reasons, lost their four best players, including their one all SEC player. So they're in big trouble on defense, regardless of the quarterback. I I would think. Um, I I think Stetson Bennett, you and I were talking a little off air. Yeah. Stetson Bennett, the fourth. Stetson Bennett has a shot. He's he's 5'11", y'all, so he's never going to be 6'3". He's just not. Uh, he's an upperclassman. He has an interesting career trajectory um, in that he was the scout team quarterback at Georgia. Uh, Mel Tucker raved about this kid. Roquan Smith raved about this kid. This kid was lighting it up. They said he was better than Baker Mayfield when preparing them for <laughs> Oklahoma, which Baker Mayfield decimated him in the first half, so... He must have really been lighting it up, but he uh, transferred, went to a lesser program, got to play a year and start. And then last year with no Justin Fields around, Kirby said, come on back, please, Stetson. You're going to be the primary backup. We expected to see him get more playing time, but Fromm was just an iron man. Right. And Fromm would play the whole game. He was such a team leader. And I really don't think Coley was a steadying force. So Fromm was kind of captaining the ship throughout the entirety of games. We didn't get to see a lot of Bennett on the field. He's deadly, pa- deadly accurate passer, though. Nicknamed the mailman because he delivers. Yeah.
0: Well, so the, I like the kid. The, the I mailman mean, it, is good. That's a good name. And I, I, I think given that Kirby's kind of kind a mum on, on who it's going to be, uh, I, there's Completely. obviously a lot of talent kind of floating around here. But you got brain surgery with Mathis. You got the ACL with Daniels. <laughs> I mean, right. is there a chance this 5'11 mailman, Stetson Bennett the fourth is going to see the field there on Saturday? It's like a kind of a sleeper. He huh? could
1: be that second guy, which that second guy might play, because Daniels may not be ready, and Dewan may go, and Georgia may get a good lead. Um, or DeJuan could struggle. That's very possible, because he hasn't seen this type of action. He got a little bit of scout team action last year. Um, the, p- the person people aren't talking about enough is the true freshman, and that's Carson Beck. Carson Beck, everyone presumed to be the player of the future at Georgia. The thing is, they're not counting the eligibility at all this year. So these class um, eligibility standards are so wonky right now. When you're talking about guys getting hardship waivers, guys sitting out four games and it not counting, red shirts, medical red shirts. Um, There's going to be guys in front of whoever – Whoever starts, well, I mean,
0: everybody's paused, right? Everybody. Everyone's gets paused. A free go. So,
1: if you're a freshman this year, and the guy in front of you is a junior, that guy in front of you is still a junior next year. So, for the underclassmen, it's actually an extreme disadvantage in some ways and not very fair. I don't expect all these guys to stick and stay in Athens. The quarterback carousel is the national trend. It's going to keep spinning, but could Carson Beck um, come in and start as a true freshman? I don't think that's who Kirby is, but Todd Munkin is calling the shots on offense. Make no mistake about it. I hear Georgia fans all the time talking about Kirby this and Kirby that in relation to the offense. He does about the least two or four or indecision of the offense of any head coach I've been exposed to. He is a defensive coach and a recruiter. He's a motivator, but he is not in those offensive meetings. He's just not. And Todd Munkin has come over. He's been the Tampa Bay offensive coordinator when they had it really ripping and rolling in the pros. He was at Oklahoma State when they were a dynamic offense. Um, He was at Southern Miss and came up to be the head coach of Southern Miss. He's got that pro background. He's a spread them out guy. He throws it a lot, but he also likes to run the ball effectively. I think he's going to make the call. I really do. And if he likes Beck the best, Aaron Murray, who you mentioned, love Aaron. Aaron said Beck looked the best of any of the guys in, in uh, one of the scrimmages. Wow. Uh, he is a true freshman, but none of these guys have that level of game experience outside of JT Daniels. JT Daniels played a full year in a power five. Conference.
0: Well, I think it's really interesting because just from an outside perspective, now I'm a Husker fan. So I know, I, I know I'm coming from the outside on this, but I'm a college football fan and I can tell you as follow it closely. It kind of seems to me like it's kind of dependent on what they decide to do. So you mentioned JT Daniels earlier. If you're thinking you're going to go with that guy, ultimately, right? And that's what we're looking at. We're just waiting for an ACL, you know. Uh, that's repair. that's my
1: projection. But a lot of people think Dewan Mathis will get the spot, get the spot, and keep it. I just really like that Daniels kid. I watched his, I watched his film. He looked good.
0: Right. Well, I'm thinking that if they, depending on what they're looking at, right, in terms of. Who what they're thinking. If they're thinking like you're thinking, right, that Daniels is the guy, maybe you see Mathis, maybe but maybe you see Sets and Bennett to just come out in a blowout game and let, you know, however long it's gonna take that you got kind of a game manager out there. Right. Or like you said, you got a fra- true freshman with a ton of upside. Um I can remember for Nebraska that we put Adrian Martinez out there as a true freshman, you know, two years ago. He ran wild. And he ran wild. Yeah, he ran so wild. So you don't you don't know really what it just When they are locked,
1: Carson Beck isn't that type of athlete where he's going to run all over the place. Um, his junior year of high school, he was Mister Football for the state of Florida, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, which is dogs country. He could just
0: be a a stud. Big
1: time. He could
0: just be a stud. He
1: is a stud. Uh, he won it in 8A, the biggest classification of high school. He won the state championship. He performed well. He did take a step back his senior year. Um, the coaches said the team was so young. He had been playing with some upperclassmen as a junior. Like I said, won the biggest classification, Florida is one of the best states for football, no doubt about it. He could be the quarterback of the future. My concern is if he was to be that quarterback of the future, these other guys are in front of him. You know, is he going to stick around? Someone's going to leave. Someone's going to start. Traditionally, what Kirby has done is not really made a firm decision ever. He's gone with Jacob Eason um, coming off the bench in relief of Grayson Lambert. In the first go round, pull Eason in in the second half, and Eason never looked back, although he did end up eight and five. And Grayson Lambert ended up with the highest winning percentage of a starting quarterback in Georgia history. But um, he went with the strong arm in Jacob Eason. The next year, Eason got the start. He got hurt, and Fromm was thrust in and never looked back. So, very likely, well, it's interesting you bring that up because.
0: I know you're saying that Kirby's never made a decision, but the guy I wanted to talk about, given that we're sitting here talking about brain surgery, ACL tears, true freshman, and a scout team quarterback is how do you right. feel to be looking across at the big 10 at Justin Fields leading, coming back from a postponement. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, there's no it's, question he was better than, than from was last year.
1: There's no question. He's better than basically anyone except Trevor Lawrence last yeah. year. Yeah. He had 51 touchdowns and three interceptions. That's a hell of a firm decision from Kirby
0: to stick with Fromm there, right? Uh,
1: Again, I'm not sure that Kirby made that call so much as Fromm just really beat out um, Justin in the eyes of our then offensive coordinator, Jim Chaney. Chaney liked to have a lot of audibles at the line for his quarterbacks, and they go from potential passing situations, audibling into runs. Fields struggled with that. So Ryan day at Ohio state had a simpler implementation for fields and that's, he brought him there to start. He was going to be the starter all the time from is a football junkie who was so prepared, such a rah-rah guy and was so well-prepared at the same time that Justin was struggling with grasping the system. Meanwhile, Georgia was a national championship contender. Right. So when you have a national championship contender, I don't consider Georgia a surefire national championship contender this year. But, last but when you year. have a guy that's coming off big years and was this close to beating Alabama two years in a row and this close to getting national championships two years in a row, it's going to be hard to unseat him. I thought – It's kind of like you're talking
0: about the carousel. Like that's the new face of college football is, is – It's is, a new normal. Is, yeah, the new normal, I, I should say, is that – they're going to like the they're scene I don't, because the truth is yeah. like, I will say this. you got to be feeling like I, I, buy the audible thing to a degree, but when you watch a guy be that dynamic, you got to be thinking oh, yeah. I maybe should change my offense because he'd be the most impactful player on either side of the ball.
1: Oh, uh, they definitely would have wanted to have him this year. Uh, I don't For know sure. that he had. Yeah. I don't, it's just keep in mind. He was a from was coming off, uh, you know, a national championship. Game, which was blown by the coaching staff, and he had played well, and Fields was a true freshman. So I mean that that's a different. Yeah, it's almost like and he played well and in that grenades. game. He
0: played well in that game, and it was a blown. He game. played well
1: in that game, and then that year, um, the year that he beat Justin out was From's best year. He had a great completion percentage record. In fact, at the end of that second year of of the From era, he was projected to be a late first round pick. That's when he really threw it a lot more than he had as a freshman. As a freshman, we had Sony and Chubb, right. and they went for 2,500 yards. And we had Swift, so we were really running the ball a lot and relying on Roquan Smith mm-hmm. a lot. Um, that sophomore year, Fromm played well. No one could really split too many hairs because he played so right. well. But when you saw what Fields did when Fromm took a step back, and keep in mind, Chaney wasn't even there. The guy that made that call is gone. was out the door. Yeah, he was out the door. He took a lateral position at Tennessee. And that's who we're going to see uh, real soon here.
0: Yeah, that's true. In two, in, in, in week two, week three, week three actually. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but the, the ironic thing is you brought up that national championship game. You know, Jalen Hurts, obviously a national title quarterback. Saban makes the move to put in two in the second half and ends up changing that game. And you kind of had the same kind of a problem, and it and I think it probably changed the season for Georgia last year. So you live and learn, but it's, it is it is interesting. Yeah. It's, it's irony. Uh, Saban it's irony. saw
1: no other path to – the reason Sabin did that is he's he's a great in-game adjustment guy, and that's really where Kirby has struggled. But um, Saban saw no other path to victory. We had Hertz's number completely. Yeah. <laughs> and he had nothing he going the in the first half. So he was like, "Yeah, hey, put the kid in there. And, you know, we picked him off. Uh, Baker picked him off. We, he didn't just dominate. Um, he played well. But Georgia had every right to win that game, every chance to win that game, and really got too conservative on offense was the real reason that they lost the game. And some bad calls uh, from the refs and Kirby.
0: Um, so, you know, not to digress too much on quarterbacks here, the running back situation you mentioned, you know, you've you've had Nick and Chubb in the past. Right. You had Swift last and year. And Swift. Yeah. Now and
1: Gurley was right before them, right? So you're really a, kind of had a, a system that, here
0: like you've had you've reloaded uh, it running back repeatedly, yeah. but it we've is- really
1: had a stable where we've had Swift with Harion the year before Swift and Holyfield each had a thousand yards the year before that Gurley and uh, excuse me, Chubb and Sony go out as the all time rushing duo in college football history. We were the first program ever to have back to back 2000 yard guys. Last year, we just had Swift. We were relying on him too heavily.
0: First and second round Um,
1: pick. Zamir White was was supposed to be the guy last year in that number two role. Holyfield went pro early, probably because he expected Zamir to get a lot of his his carries. Zamir got hurt, um, and it just just didn't happen for him. He finally came in, coming off two major injuries. Um, I want to give the kid the benefit of the doubt, but I personally haven't seen it from Zeus yet. Zamir White was the top player in high school, his junior year of high school. Um, he got hurt his, in senior year of high school. He got hurt at Georgia. And finally, we see him come into the SEC championship game. The program is really relying on him. He gets one yard per carry against a fired-up LSU defense with uh, Dave Aranda calling the signals. Then in the Sugar Bowl, Z- uh, Zamir White did bounce back. He had 18 carries for 92 yards. He had a decent game. My concern with him is I haven't seen him, because he hasn't done it, get any runs of 30 yards or more. So is the explosiveness still there? He looks like a powerful guy. Is the explosiveness still there? And these other running backs, maybe the answer there, uh, he's a redshirt sophomore. James Cook is a true junior. and he, He's in his junior year. That's Dalvin Cook's little brother. He only weighs 190 pounds. He was hurt for the Sugar Bowl. But he is a... Uh, or in the Sugar Bowl, he's a quick guy. He can really make some plays in space. We need to be throwing him the ball out of the backfield, which is the type of thing I think Todd Munkin will do. Kenny McIntosh is the sophomore who really didn't get the opportunities, and I looked for him to get more carries in that Sugar Bowl or at some point last year, and it never happened um, when Swift was banged up. And really, Swift was a decoy the past, the last few games of the year. He didn't do much at all after having a great and dominant like first 9-10 games. Um, everyone's high on this kid from California now, who I was mentioning to you off air, Kendall Milton. He's kind of an Eric Dickerson-style runner, 6'2", 230, runs a 4.5. He's an upright runner, supremely confident. He and his dad are basically saying he is going to be the man. His dad said he's not coming all the way across the country to sit. <laughs> I expect this Milton guy to make an, uh, impact. make an impact immediately. My dad thought I was going to start too. If Todd Munkin can trust him to get in there and block um, and pass protect, if his pass pro is up to snuff at all and he's a big enough guy to do it, um, obviously he has 40 pounds on Cook, like I was mentioning. So if he has the um, know-how and has grasped the playbook enough to get in there and block and pass pro, I expect Kendall Milton to potentially be the guy right away. Yeah but no one knows no one knows what's going to happen again
0: yeah we it's 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 a lot of question marks here that you got it's, i mean it it sounds like you got a couple guys that, that, that you know it, i guess zamir white looks like the the best chance if he can find if he can recapture his explosion maybe a year
1: removed from the injury um yeah and he's had like i said two major injuries so can he maybe
0: i mean it's it, it certainly happens it certainly happens but if it doesn't, it sounds like the very least you got a one-two punch, and I expect Georgia's running game to be as good as it has for the past half decade.
1: Well, we have the stable of runners. I mean, the the athletes are there on running. Um, is the line going to open holes for them? Even though we had this highly touted line last year with the two first rounders, and our third grade drafted was a high draft pick who's actually starting for the Dolphins first game of the year. He was starting for the Dolphins. So we had, and then we lost Cade Mays to Tennessee in a transfer. Um, where he got a hardship waiver actually himself, but we lost a lot there. Can they open holes? They actually struggled to open holes last year. Sometimes a lot of it I thought was play calling my friend, Billy Barnard, who lives out in San Diego, who actually went to a peer author of mine, went to the same high school I did and same college, but is a little older guy than me. He was, uh, talking about how bad the play calling was and it was just predictable. It's extremely predictable to run it up the middle on first down, run it up the middle on second down, and have Fromm throw on third down, if the defense knows what you're bringing, the opportunity for success is greatly diminished. And I think Munkin will improve that.
0: Well, I think the important thing to, to, to remember here, Georgia fans, is on, on these unknowns is that, like you're mentioning that you, you put two tackles in the first round, you know, last year. I'm a New England Patriots fan. You know, we had two first-round picks a couple years ago, and it went, you know, Isaiah Wynn, Sony Michelle. So the, and, and yeah, Todd right. Gurley, you know, an MVP candidate, like the, the, the it goes on and on the the, the running backs, yeah. Nick Chubb is dominating football the, 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 you're reloading at the off not only at the offensive line, but at the running back position, do the recruiting that Georgia's able to do it's a well oiled machine I'm less it concerned is. about that than I am about the the quarterbacks for you guys, but even that I mean Aaron Murray and Jake fromm are nothing to scoff at, and the truth is, you had recruited Justin Fields, whether he ended up playing at Georgia or not. The, the, the talent evaluation and recruiting has not been an issue on the offensive side of the ball for the Bulldogs.
1: So or, or at all, or overall. I mean, we had the number one recruiting class this year, and not a lot of people are talking about that. Darnell Washington is rated the best athlete in the country, the 6'7 tight end out of Vegas. We have some guys coming in this year who are going to make an immediate impact and really have a chance to shine right away. And again, this year he's a, if, is not even counting towards their eligibility status. So these guys could be in Athens for a while. We had the number 1 class this year, the number 3 class going back in the number 1 class. Yeah, I was going to say uh, the, the year it's before not that.
0: Just the number 1 class this year, you've been recruiting well for the past
1: several years
0: for the, for several years and the, I, you know, as much as there's question marks and that can be uneasy, I think given you're playing Arkansas week one, it's going to be a, a box of fun surprises for, for yes. Georgia fans, I think, more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, and I
1: hope people don't get too excited and too happy like I know they will because we've got Auburn coming up. We've got Tennessee coming up. We've got Bama coming up, our white whale.
0: Well, I can tell you that these games you got coming up, to say that they are big games is is, is an understatement. You're playing a it's top. It's, it's unbelievable. You're playing number eight Auburn, week two. Sixteenth ranked Tennessee, which I'm not really sure why they're ranked again, but they are. Um, then number two, you have Bama. by By week four, you're going to be playing. They're, they're pretty all good of at football. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not a bad team. <laughs> I mean, and then Florida's ranked fifth. That's week uh, six. It goes on and on. I'll tell you this. There's a lot of Husker fans complaining about the schedule they got, but I wouldn't
1: want to play this one. Arkansas has the toughest schedule, they're saying, in the history of football. <laughs> um, 13 of the top 15 – I'm sorry, the top 13 ranked hard schedules, hardest schedules were in the league. And then 14 of 15, Florida's was the the 15th. So you got uh, some really tough schedules. For SEC football,
0: But that's, but that's but for us as fans, that's what we want to see.
1: Light it up. I've never liked the cupcakes. I don't know what your thought is. I know rebuilding programs like to get those cupcakes and get those wins, but I never liked the cupcakes. If you're going to do it, it should be a team of note, someone in-state. I like to um, tune up. Just,
0: like It's fun that you're getting to play right. Arkansas because of the history you have between the, the two teams, but it's a tune-up that, game, yeah. but then jump it right is. in. Now, I'm,
1: I don't mean a cupcake in the likes of Arkansas. They're a conference game. Georgia has actually played Arkansas in more bowl games than any other opponent they're a league game. So and it's like I said it's a family game for us. So for me that's fine. But I don't like seeing Northwest, you know, Louisiana have to play Georgia. And then the next week it's, you know, a school from the middle of Virginia that just has no reason being there. If we're going to play Georgia Southern, Georgia State, something like that, I could get behind it. Well, given
0: that we've spent the last two weeks watching Notre Dame play South Florida um and games of the like, I think it's time let's have some sec let's have auburn georgia play i can't wait for that start october yeah, and right. that's the
1: deep south's oldest rivalry first played in 1892 in piedmont park right up the street from my house here and um i love the fact that that game is coming but that game was traditionally traditionally georgia's last sec game auburn cried because they always had bama and georgia in the end and would always end up with some losses um, so they got that game moved this year. All the schedules are, are wonky, but going forward, Auburn is not going to be the final opponent for Georgia. Kind of upsets me because there's been so much history. Yeah, of Georgia stinks. winning SECs there, Auburn winning big games, and spoiling SECs for Georgia. That's part of the history of the rivalry. But uh, it's going to be awesome to get it going um, right there in week two. Yeah, it's going to be good stuff. Oh, I was just going to point out um, a couple little things on Arkansas. Kendall Bryles is their offensive coordinator. He's uh, Art Bryles' kid from Baylor. They got in a lot of trouble there, didn't they? But uh, Kendall really knows how to call plays. Um, He's led schemes at Florida State, Houston, Florida Atlantic. And in the last part of his dad's tenure there in Baylor, he was calling the plays when they were like setting records. And that's at a little small private school that really had no business to be dominating the Big 12 the way they were. Kendall Bryles is calling the plays. Should be exciting. He's a good play caller. Um, outgoing Chad Morris. Chad Morris was the head coach at Arkansas. He's now the offensive coordinator at Auburn. So we're going to see him in week two. He recruited a lot of skill guys. So they Ooh, do incestuous down weapons.
0: there in the south, huh?
1: It is. Look, you got Barry Odom uh, from Missouri comes over to be defensive coordinator. The quarterback was from Florida. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's just, just like... You guys are just, just swapping each other non-stop. a little too well. Marrying you know, your sister uh, and stuff. Yeah, no, it's good. Exactly. It's co- very cousin-oriented. It's a lot of we've cousins. 10 of Southern the, cousins. Uh, exactly. Uh, we've won 10 of the last 14 national championships <laughs> in the SEC, and the predominant theory is that it's been Alabama. It's been a lot of Bama. LSU doing it really woke people up to this conference is still the powerhouse it's not just Bama it down in the south it's kind of like Clemson and the SEC is basically the way it boils down to all these SEC teams are potentially going to be good programs in the future I think Georgia has a good chance to win the SEC this year the the college football playoff winning that is is a really a hard road to haul this year when you've got Trevor Lawrence Travis Etienne at Clemson you've got Justin Fields at Ohio yeah, State Yeah, you've got Bama and Nick Saban's upset.
0: Not if my Huskers take them out week one. Correct. And other, and other delusional it, it,
1: dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely pulling for the big red. If any one loss happens SEC to appear, it, you know, eight games in the Big Ten, if they lose a game, that's going to be it. They're not getting in.
0: Yeah. If they lose to Nebraska, they're not getting in.
1: That's for sure. But that's really the big, that's they really the big have a t- threat
0: outside the conference. That's really the big threat. I mean, Clemson's always a threat. But always I don't you know, I didn't think Clemson should have won that game last year. Uh, they did. They didn't win that game last year. They, that OSU was was robbed of that game. And I think everybody wanted to see LSU play uh, Ohio State and it, it didn't get to happen. That was a bummer, I think, for everybody yeah. in college football.
1: Well, Fields threw the key interception. He did. I mean, he threw the key interception. Right. But that, we shouldn't even have been it playing never was that. was declared. Play. That was that was
0: yeah. I mean, it wasn't Fields fault. That wide receiver ran wrong the incorrect route. Right. They but the biggest thing was the pick six that was inexplicably taken off the board. Right. They should that never was probably have been the in best that game of the year.
1: I thought that was probably the best game of the year as far as just entertainment. Second best game of the year last year was my Canines versus Catholics game. That was a good game. Notre Dame finally came to Athens. Them dogs went three and and0 lifetime over those Fighting Irish. That was a good yeah, one. Yeah, but we digress. Anyways, thanks for tuning in to Dog Days of Fall. Delighted to be back talking about some football. We're looking forward to a wonderful SEC season and beyond. This has been great to start this up. Uh, hopefully next week I think we're going to maybe have an epidemiologist and
0: talk about how some of these teams are doing with the coronavirus. I know Notre Dame and Wake Forest have already had to postpone a game. And I think Virginia Tech or hasn't played a game, or Houston hasn't had an opponent yet. So we're going to get into all that next week. We're excited that SEC is back. Thanks for listening,
1: all Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. <laughs>
0: Oh,